This week on the ScrollerCast, forget RDP houses. The city of Johannesburg is building shacks for its poorest residents. Julius Malema and other left-wing organizations calling for the expulsion of the Israeli ambassador. All of a sudden, everyone hates spaza shops. Parliament degenerates into a shabin during the vote for the new public protector. And Bongi Mbunambi looks set to survive a racial slur claim. I'm Jeremy Maggs, with me political editor Zakili Majova. Another 20 minutes or so of conversation about the state that we're in, and we are in season two. Why don't we start with the rugby? Um, oh, you want to start with the rugby? I think we should start with the rugby. <laughs> I don't know why. I think we should start with the rugby. <laughs> Let's get to this uh, Bongi Mbunambi story in just a moment. But by the time um, people are listening to this recording and we are working on a Tuesday afternoon, will either be closer to Saturday or maybe they would even be picking up after the game. But whichever way you look at it, this past weekend was astonishing in terms of uh, one point in it. And uh, this week against the All Blacks, both sides in peak form at the moment. It's anybody's guess, huh? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It was difficult, Jeremy. A lot of people nearly had heart attacks. (laughs) It was difficult, you know. But... But for me, now, now, now that I remember, 1995 was worse. 1995, while I was aware of uh, the Sharks, some of the players there, Andre Ubey was playing number 15, Kobas um, uh, Vise, I'm still a sort of uh, following him. Quite an interesting character I'm discovering. He's a very nice person, you know. I didn't know that they were such a team that fights you know, to the last drop of blood. You know, now I know. I relax a bit. I was panicking in 95. I didn't know the culture that well. You know, now, it's been a long time since 95. I know the Springboks. Even if we lose, I don't worry. You know, because you can see they gave it everything they have. And and that's there's no other way of losing. You can't win it all, you know, but if you lose with the fight, then you can console yourself, you know, that we gave it everything. Well, the defending champions, it's difficult to, to defend a Rugby World Cup. That's from a sporting perspective. Um, earlier today, I spoke to a well-known sports psychologist about the impact of winning something as big as this or losing on the national psyche. And she was firmly of the opinion, and I happen to agree with her, that... This country needs this badly, not just from a sporting perspective. Absolutely. We're in so much trouble on so many different fronts. And I'm not for one moment going to preach the gospel of unity and bonding and cohesion and all of that. But, and these kind of, this euphoria, if we win, is going to be very short lived. But every once in a while, uh, South Africa needs it. it. It helps us chart a different direction, it gives us something which we're so sorely lacking. I was about to complain that the the celebrations, they don't last long enough. Why are they mm. so short? I mean, we're such a vast country. You know, everybody now is interested. There are people who see the Springboks all the time, whether you, you watch the, the Bulls um, or you watch the Sharks, uh, you know, 
But there are towns that never, ever get to see these guys. I can understand it's a huge campaign. They've been away. Um, I was very happy to hear from CICR Colise that uh, uh, this coach likes to have family around. I see them with the kids and everybody's around. You know, it's such a beautiful thing. You know, I want us to stretch the celebrations. Take them to Mount Frey, man. Okay, um, Sukida, I'll see what I can do. <laughs> see if we can sort that out for you. All right, let's get to I, I, let's get to this big issue. And it's headlined uh, on Scroller this week, and I'm gonna I'm gonna pronounce this very carefully because we are also on two family radio stations. So the headline is Witkant. Witkant does not mean what Tom Curry, the English player, thinks. Uh, he decided, says the story, that Bongi Mbunambi was shouting a racial slur at him. But the story says the video clip that has emerged in the past 24 hours appears that Mbunambi was shouting Vitkant several times. And it was an instruction for some of his fellow players warning them that the white team, that's a reference to England and their jerseys, had switched their attack to a different side. The story goes on to say the box often use Afrikaans to keep their signals and messages secret from the opposing team. On the surface, that sounds exactly as it should be. Yeah. Yeah. But we're biased, and it's fine to be biased on this one. I am, I am so happy. The English nearly cost us a lock. We are going to depend on our scrum this time around. Hopefully, uh, the Ox starts the game we need a solid scrum. I mean, that's the heart of our strategy. You know, we cook our attack in the scrum. It needs to be solid. It needs to hold. Then that's when we spring an attack. Mm. This got me worried a little bit. But from players that are coming from the bench and the ones that are in the first team, it's more or less the same these days. The difference is so small. What we've got to say, though, is that an issue like this whichever way it's resolved, and we hope it's resolved in the favour of the Springboks, is also um, emblematic of the mind games that are going to be played right up to the time when that first whistle goes. Because events like this, again, at the very highest level, football, rugby, it's also about gamesmanship. And often the team that plays the better mind games is also going to come out on top. And it's not as though South Africa doesn't play mind games either. Remember Rassi Erasmus naming the England lineup before the match started. <laughs> so, you know, this is part and parcel of it. I hope it falls in our favour, though. It, uh, From all accounts, and I, I don't know too much about him, but he seems like a, a very decent guy and everyone in the team is standing up for him. So let's see what happens. It's worrying, yeah. though. It is uh, worrying. I agree with you. Well, it's a major thing. You can you can see people become very concerned. It doesn't look like anybody is seriously concerned about it. I mean, people, they know him. They've known him for, for, for a long time. If you are not that type of person, you are not that type of person. Mm. Pe people would know whether they've had the conversation. They'll just tell you that it's, it's just not like him. So I'm looking for a clever way now to switch topics. Um, and we, we just hope. In fact, as I must let you know that as we're recording this conversation, uh, Mr. Majova is already in his Springbok rugby shirt. I think he's got a Springbok rugby cap on as well. Does he have Springbok rugby underpants? <laughs> Who knows? He might very well. But um, Scroller made the point this past week that Parliament descended into a shabine uh, over the appointment or the debate of the new public protector. We have a new public protector now, but uh, the run-up, the, the run-up or the preamble to that was disgraceful. 
So unfortunate. Mm. So unfortunate, Jeremy. I think we need to, to change the strategy around how we, how we appoint a public protector. As long as, as she is appointed by politician, she's going to be a, a public protector for one side or the other. This one is apparently a Cyril Ramaphosa public protector. She issued a report uh, saying Ramaphosa has not done anything. No one, not, not that I'm saying he has done something wrong, you know, but when she issued that report with other reports so much missing from the Reserve Bank, from the police, etc., you know, and she was applying for the job, it created all sorts of things. But also she, she has a baggage. She's got a background of, of hanging around with really unsavory characters, you know, from, from the years of state capture and all of that. It doesn't sound like she's going to be a very good public protector, this one. I mean, you always see the early signs, you know, even with the with the one that's gone now, Mkwebane, there were early signs, there were warnings, the opposition warned and no one listened. When there's a fallout in the ANC, the other side doesn't like the public protector, then it becomes an ugly end, as we have seen. And already this one, it's not looking very good. And the problem with this is the South African public on whose rampart she stands uh, is the loser here because she already starts the job on the back foot with uh, allegations of uh, perceived or intended bias going forward. Um, I spoke to uh, Lawson Naidu this week from the Council for the Advancement of the South African Constitution, and he absolutely concurred, said two things. One is her position is going to be very difficult. Every decision she makes is going to be politicized. Her predecessor has joined the economic freedom fighters, and she wants a senior position within the EFF. And make no mistake, uh, the EFF are going to be after the new public protector at every single juncture. Yeah, the this previous is, one has been is, so it's, as it's, an MP. Dim it's diminished the authority, the gravitas, and the power of the office. The previous one is now an MP for the for the EFF. It's it's so unfortunate. We haven't been able to get this one right. The the, the issue of public protector. I think the last time we had a real public protector was Tulima Donzela. Before that, it was it was still bad. I mean, we had Lawrence Mushwanas and others. I mean that 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 office it hasn't done its job the way the way that you would expect and there is so much going on in the country everywhere you see in the township it's burning that tells you the frustration that people are going through you know how can you not have water in Jobe when the when the dams are full over 90 percent you know the that office, people are going to need that office. Not everybody can afford to go to court and, and, and take the state uh, head on by going to court. The public protector has to be our last defender. A group of people who need protection one way or another are foreigners in uh, Kwatema, which, if I'm not mistaken, is the far east rand near Springs yes. uh, in, uh, in Gauteng. And um, this week, um, foreigners who owned uh, tuck shops or spaza shops uh, firing bullets at a group of residents protesting in the area. Every once in a while, Zucchini, we see this kind of thing raising its, its ugly head. Uh, there's the specter of xenophobia always attached to it. Having said that, though, uh, there was a pushback report this week that I read uh, about often these spaza shops themselves are either fronts for money laundering uh, or... Um, the quality of the merchandise that they are stocking is sometimes dangerous, the food particularly, substandard, that poses a health risk. But whichever way you look at it, it's a metaphor for the relations between South Africans and foreigners uh, in this country. And 
often these issues don't have a particularly good ending. Yeah, what is really bad this time around is that it has become a political issue. Even the ANC is involved. There was a time when the ANC was saying that locals must learn from the puzzle shop guys how they organize themselves. They they, they, they buy in bulk, you know, and, and they, 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 they stock together and save money and, and get discounts, etc. And now they've changed tunes. Suddenly these puzzle shops are, are, are bad, you know. Again, we've got an election coming up. If that's what the public is saying in the township, then a political party that wants to win the minds of these people needs to pretend it is with them. That's a very dangerous game that we find ourselves in. But Jeremy, when the spicer shops arrived, I mean, in my village, we, had, we, we have one. And we didn't have one for a long time, and people didn't want one. It was the women in my village that uh, went to the Imbizo at, uh, at our Inkosi and said we want a spaza shop organized by, <laughs> by the foreigners. Why? The food is cheap, they are reliable, they, they, they understand, they, they will give loans to pensioners, reasonable stuff, they deliver their food to your mm. door and all of that. They, the men said no, but the women, they won that fight. I was there, it was funny, you know. So. To an extent, they have been doing a lot of good. I can tell you they've been doing a lot of good. From my village to town, it costs you 40 rand. And coming back, 40 rand. Then you are paying 12 rand for every 12 kg that you are, that you are transporting in the car. So you can imagine if you're pensioned how much you lose. You can just buy from the local guy and it delivers to your door. You don't pay all of those costs. And if you are an old lady, you can get uh, 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 robbed in town, you know? So... I'm telling you, Jeremy, I've seen these guys doing a lot of good. Unfortunately, in the business of dropping the prices and all of that, you end up using uh, different brands and all of that. I think we need to monitor that closely. So let me say two things uh, before we move on to the next story. One is that uh, never get in between a mother trying to feed her child. Absolutely. So that's the one issue. So uh, that voice will always be heard. The second thing is, and to your point, maybe some form of better monitoring or better regulation is needed. I don't want to start sounding like a proponent of the nanny state where everything has got to be regulated. But the sense I was getting this week from people that I spoke to was that uh, there needs to be a closer eye on quality on safety uh, and adhering to general retail and commercial protocols which doesn't seem to be the case so it's a problem yeah absolutely so that's, let's let's move on to um the uh, bitter war between israel and hamas and uh, not unexpectedly it has a south african connection or a south african angle one is and you wrote a piece uh, on uh, scroller africa this week about uh, the leader of the economic freedom fighters uh, calling for the uh, closure um, of uh, the South African or the Israeli embassy in South Africa. In fact, I think the headline was expel the Israeli embassy. That's the one thing. The second thing was uh, an assertion by the leader of the economic freedom fighters, Julius Malema, saying if the EFF came to power next year in our 2024 general election, they would send arms or sell arms to Hamas. These statements are dangerous. They are incendiary uh, and they do not work well in anybody's favor. The rhetoric needs to be dialed down in this respect. And I am completely unapologetic about saying that. 
Jeremy, I worked it out in my mind as I was writing that story. Do I publish this nonsense that Julius is saying or not? But my my understanding, um, analytical understanding, of what's going on in politics, the EFF is going to be a what you call they're going to hold the swing vote uh, come come next year's election. Now, as you have seen, Al Jamaa is now running Johannesburg with less than one percent of the vote. It's becoming very serious. Um, uh, the issue of swing of those who hold the swing vote, and and you cannot, being a party that comes from Nelson Mandela's party, the EFF emerged from the ANC, a party that was supposed to be about human rights and all of that. It cannot immediately now embrace an organization like Hamas, you know. And while I know they are a 10% party, they are not going to govern, I felt that I needed to include this. It's it's a, it's a sensational kind of thing. That he is preaching to a an angry, disaffected exactly. minority in this country. And words like that do land. And words like that also can cause violence and mayhem. He needs to be brought to account in this respect. Well, he's, he's built his brand on that. He's, ne he's never going to account. When, when is Julius I accounted? He's, he's, he's busy insulting a magistrate. You know, when it was him who fired, was firing a gun in, 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 in a crowd, you know, and he's being held to account, running away from facing uh, the, his responsibility, now uh, uh, impugning the judiciary. I mean, when does it stop? Uh, again, you, you're referring to a story where he, uh, in East London, I think it was, yes. and uh, accusing the magistrate of not doing her job properly, kowtowing to uh, Cyril Ramaphosa and uh, essentially being captured. Uh, and again, there was a strong statement that was put out by the Justice Ministry, uh, but what more can they do? And yet he seems to be allowed to run amok. The point I'll make again is that it is unhelpful and dangerous. Very dangerous. Mm. Very dangerous, Jeremy. So let's end the conversation with uh, a, a worrying story. Uh, and uh, this is one about Johannesburg uh, with an ever-increasing population, people wanting to find uh, wealth and prosperity in the, in the city of gold. Uh, there is a shortage of housing. Uh, and uh, RDP houses uh, have gone the way of shacks. Um, what is the city of Johannesburg? My question was, what is the city of Johannesburg doing? Perhaps I should be asking you, what is the city of Johannesburg not doing? Jeremy, this is disturbing. Those people, about 500 people, who survived that, uh, that, that fire that killed 77 people at Usindiso, uh, a shelter for abused women and children. And that seems to have gone onto the back burner. Uh, and it, it is we, them. We, we're hearing nothing about it. They are yeah. now trying to accommodate them, and no one wants them in their backyard. Now they have developed this, uh, what used to be a, a pound. Uh, they bought this land for 45 million, and it looks like they are putting these shacks up there, and they are going to take these people and put them there. I mean, the city cannot be building shacks. They are so close together. If you watch, watch the video, again, you're going to have a major fire in an entire field that is owned by the state on shacks that were built by the state. You can't allow that. And it's back to the dysfunctionality of the Johannesburg City Council. Uh, it's back to a provincial administration that has its eye on an election and not an eye on the issues. And again, it is the poor, the destitute and the marginalized that are paying the price. For it's this. crazy, Jeremy. You build, you're building a thousand shacks where there is no sewage line. 
There's no water. There's nothing. There's no foundation for those shacks. You, you just cannot do this. You just cannot do it. You know, take the, the hijacked buildings, clean them up, use them as low-cost low cost accommodation because the owners are gone already. You know, we've got 600 hijacked buildings in this town. You know, now there is, there is the answer. I want to leave everyone with a slightly happier frame of mind, if we can. Let's circle back to the Springboks and uh, let's wish them all the very best uh, for Saturday. It is going to be an epic game one way or another. And I have, or I'm hoping beyond all that every single South African uh, is going to wake up on Sunday morning with a pounding headache. Jeremy, I hope we win it the hard way. Otherwise, what is the point? Who's going to want to watch that game again? I don't know how many times I've watched 1995 game, the final, you know, because we won it the hard way through the boot of one man who will be remembered forever, Joel Stransky, a legend, you know, and I hope this time, of course we must win. I hope we win it the hard way. So we've got to have three games. Actually, we're going to have four games on this Rugby World Cup that we can watch, including that one where we're, defeat, we're defeated by Ireland. Oh, okay. Let's let's leave it. That's this week's Scroller Cast, everybody. Thanks, as always, for listening. Toby Shapshak is our executive producer. Hans Baumgarten is our technical director. Uh, if you liked the conversation, of course you liked the conversation. Please rate us wherever you get your podcasts. And there is more content daily on scroller.africa. The podcast is recorded with sure microphones and a Zoom recorder. Mm-hmm.